Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 18 of A Thompson and Other Disappointments. Oh, I don't know where that came from. Um, my guest this week is an engineering guru. She's worked in Silicon Valley startups. She's worked in network engineering, artificial intelligence, and she is also a stand-up comedian. And that's where I met her about five or six years ago. It must have been now. Um, so tonight, it's been a fun time. Uh, we spent an hour talking about London comedy, about her show, about what it might be like when we get controlled aggressively by robots. Uh, and also about times when we've been fired and let go and ended up on weird performance improvement plans and shit. So uh, if that sounds like your bag, then please stick around for the next hour and welcome Ms. Sonia Asti. Maybe I'll start that a little bit more energetically. Ladies and gents, it's Friday night. It's half past seven. You are tuned in for some unknown, unfortunate reason to A. Thompson and other disappointments. And this week, my guest is engineering guru and stand-up comedian, Sonia Aste. Welcome. Welcome to the Hello. party, Sonia. How are you doing? Fine, and you? I'm, yeah, fucking outrageously good actually <laughs> if i'm honest um i've had a i've had a weird week on tiktok i'm getting into tiktok I, yeah why what was uh, weird about it well it's i'm a 40 year old man so it's weird from the start of it um yeah, being, being on it yeah. yeah um but i'm not alone apparently there's a lot of 40 year old men on there for different reasons that i don't really want to go into but uh <laughs> uh it's uh it's it's uh, there's a lot of plus 40 women in there too uh i won't go in there either oh are you uh, on there as well oh that's good that makes me feel way better yeah don't worry about it we're there cool yeah no that makes me uh that that's that's put me at ease now because i sort of feel a bit i feel a bit self-conscious about being on there because the second that i downloaded it and then it shows you your feed right your for you page it is just fucking like girl after girl after girl dancing in not very much and you just think like what the fuck like this must be some sort of mistake of of the f like why are they showing me <laughs> this so then you like you flip part and there's more and there's hundreds more and thousands like and even now i've been posting stuff about politics for like a month and i'd say about 30 percent of my feed is just young women yeah i hope they're women but they, they look pretty young. Um, well, if it's any consolation, I get a lot of young women too, which is, you know, I have no idea. So I think maybe there's just a lot of them dancing. We just have to get on the dance thing. Do you think? Have I been wasting my time? This whole I've been, you know, rabbiting on Forget about... Forget politics. I mean, just show that booty. You know, that's, I think, what they want. Do you think? Yeah. I totally know. I mean, I've been thinking this whole time I should carry on talking about Brexit and vaccines and shit, but <laughs> clearly my USP is shaking my touche. Um, You've missed your calling. I have. Dude. Yeah. What was I doing, doing stand-up for all those years? I should have been Christ. stripping in Soho. Exactly. Um, Bring up the hula, the hula skirt and that's it. That's you. Yeah. I think I, think I could pull it off. Um, but yeah, so um, thanks very much for for taking an hour out of your your Friday night to join me uh, for this. And um, maybe it'd be a good good starter point would be to 
uh, give people an understanding of like your background and what you do when you're not on a stage telling jokes. So you're, I've, I've introduced you as an engineering guru, but perhaps you could kind of like join the dots a bit. What is it that you do? Well, I am an engineer. So why am I, why am I an engineer? My dad's an engineer, my granddad's an engineer, my sister, my brother, all my uncles. Wow. So, but, but my parents weren't pushy. They said, you can study anything that you want as long as it's engineering. Right, so, gotcha. So there's a lot of options, chemical, engineering, nuclear, the, the whole gamut. Yeah. So what I did was in that time, it, it was called telecommunication, which was satellites and networking, mobiles. And yeah, that's why I studied engineering. Cool. Let me tell you, Adrian, my mother was so proud. My mother is Spanish. You know, she was so proud, her girl. She used to say, this is my daughter. <laughs> she an engineer. Yeah, super proud. <laughs> yeah. Now, she, now I went into comedy. She goes, this is my daughter. She a disappointment. <laughs> you know, because all those years telling me that all the money had gone. To, so, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's my engineering background. I am... Sometimes uh, I've, I've changed jobs uh, more than I would like. Yeah. We'll talk about that maybe later. And on the CVs, they always say what you asked, or, you know, what kind of an engineer are you? Yeah. And I always say, well, after five redundancies, not a very good one. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's was, um, having, having said that, you know, that my year as an engineer, there was 120 students studying and I was, you know, modesty as I was the smartest girl in the class. Smartest. Really? Never mind, I was the only girl in the class because it was just <laughs> men and me. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that deserves a little bit of a medal, don't you think, Adrian? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's I, it, like sometimes Actually, the men, engineering men, are not that best good looking. Right. So you know, was, no offense to engineers, I love you. We're a big crowd, but. At least we're, my class, not the handsomest of men. That's all I can yeah. say. Yeah, it's it's a, a sort of it's a weird setup, isn't it? Because I, I used to work at Sky and in I know that software engineering is not the same as, you know, like network engineering and um, or, or like structural engineering or whatever. But in in the teams of software engineers that I worked in there, uh, there was a big initiative to increase the number of female engineers to get a, a better gender balance. And I always felt really sorry for the girls that I, because I trained with, with, with a few of the girls and then they would go into these teams. And because even though with this initi initiative, they would, they would get some women engineers in there, they would be then sporadic, like spaced out across the business. <laughs> so it would be like one young, attractive woman engineer sat with like, two partitions of overweight 43 year old like <laughs> it guys you know that must be intimidating that's i wonder if that plays do you think that plays a role in why some women just go do you know what this isn't for me do you think it's sort of it's a bit weird for them it is a bit weird although i think now it's a little bit better i also believe there's a there's a nurture kind of thing mm. that I mean, in my family, everybody was engineers, so you know you had to be good at maths, physics. There was no doubt, and I think that's that's what comes in. There was no doubt in my family that I would do well in maths and physics, 
versus in other families that, oh, no, she's a girl. Oh, don't worry. Maths is not your thing anyway. And, and that's just a cultural thing, which is not a good thing. Mm. But now I see that, I mean, the younger generations, not that I'm old, guys, because I'm like 19, but I see <laughs> the younger generations are much more, listen, we're going for it. We're going to be scientists. We're gonna, go, girls, go. Yeah, yeah. Feminist, just in case. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm doing engineering. Loads of men. I do comedy. Loads of men. I mean, <laughs> that's it. Oh, and I was in banking at one time. Oh, fuck. Loads of men. So. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, like, uh, I mean, you're, you're sort of quite a unique skill set, really. So n not even just on the gender uh, basis and uh, going into engineering, but the fact that you've gone into engineering, uh, which is quite a, I imagine, you know, quite a mathematical, logical discipline, and then you flex out into stand-up comedy, which is more of a sort of, you know, creative flair, like flowery vocabulary kind of world. So it must be a bit of a weird thing to kind of like dot from one into the other. Or like, are you just sort of super lucky that you were blessed with both of those skill sets? Or? Oh, God, no. Listen, Adrian, let, let me tell you that I thought I was smart. You know, when I, when I left school, as many people that go to the uni, well, at least me, mm. I thought it was like the smartest thing. I arrived at the university. I'm going like, I am the dumbest thing here. What happened? Because just the level. Yeah. <laughs> what happened is that there's loads of people and some people so much smarter than you. And I was reading about this. And this is going to be boring, but I have to say it's called sort of relative deprivation because you are sort of comparing yourself to others. So if you're a, amongst a group that is like not very qualified, then you feel like, and then you go into these groups. But to answer your question, I think I am always surprised why there are no not more engineers in comedy because there are so many similarities. Really? And I'll give you a cut. Yeah, yeah. First of all, most engineers, we have a superiority complex. We think we're smarter than, than what we really are, right? right. And that's the same as comedians. Most of them think they're funnier than they really are. <laughs> <laughs> and we have to be that way because otherwise you would not go on. You would say, forget it. This is super hard. I'm not doing this stand-up thing. And the engineers, we would go like, I'm not doing quantum physics. This is crazy. So you have to have that sort of self-belief that, listen, yeah. I think I'm better than maybe than what I am, but I don't care. I mean, that's, don't you think that's kind of a similarity or not? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I, for me, it would be like, like I work in uh, like web development and I, um, I often sort of, it's, it's not that I think that I'm great at every facet of web development. It's just that I have this, this like ego behind me where I'm like, I bet I could fucking build that, you know, like, like even though, even if I know that actually in reality, the crushing truth is I'll probably give it a bash and give up halfway through it. But like, I, like there is a thing in the back of my head that's like, I, I bet I could fucking do that. And it's the same with stand up. Like when I was gigging a lot, then I'd be like, I bet I could fucking get like a tight 30 together and sell out like a little theater. Like I just, I just thought, oh, I bet I could do it and then crack on. So I suppose because in that way have, it is. You have to have that mentality other, and, or maybe some call it big ego. Yeah. Didn't love them enough, whatever. Uh, I, I have the big ego. I control it, but I have it. Uh, wasn't loved enough again. Tick, 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 tick. <laughs> so, but you have to have that. Otherwise you wouldn't continue in these 
crazy, very difficult yeah. things that we do, like stand up, like engineering, another or what you're doing. I mean, that's crazy stuff. Do you think like this is a sort of recurring theme? Like, I was talking to Rob Mayhew last week, and <laughs> uh, and I spoke to Lisa Cross a few weeks before, and we were talking about how how kind of fucked it is that these these sort of broken souls land in open mic comedy. <laughs> Desperate to be loved, desperate to be listened to, and I count myself as one of these. Like, you know, I just, I just want to like construct a, a a lean, sharp paragraph that is cutting and we, like I want to be that guy that you know delivers it, and then the whole room just explodes into light. Like, there's something there in, the, and I don't know where it comes from, but it will never ever. It's a thirst that cannot be quenched for me. Like, it is a thirst that cannot be, and you said it, and that leads greatly into another point where comedians and engineers are the same mm. or very similar. The engineering motto is you can always do things better. Mm. Okay, now that's tough because you might have done something fun. You can always do it better. And that is so comedy stand yeah. because you sell. I mean, I've heard people that sell out in Edinburgh 200 seaters. And what are they saying, Adrian? They're going, well, it wasn't a 400 seater. <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, and I'm a culprit as well. I sold out my Edinburgh show, but it wasn't a big thing. You know? No, you've got to take yeah. it and at least give yourself a pat on the there's, back. There's a great Jim Jeffries bit about that where he says how how kind. Well, I don't know if he said I'm going to butcher it basically, but yeah, no, don't worry. He said, um, you know, it's kind of miserable being a human being because even when you've got goals and you achieve your goals the second that you've achieved them your mind is on to the next thing you never even really yes. stop to breathe and accept and celebrate you just sort of like in his his examples he was like he was like oh wouldn't wouldn't it be cool to go to london and do comedy like so he comes over to london and then he's like wouldn't it be great to do the, like the comedy store and then he gets on at the comedy store and then he's like i just want to get on tv and then he gets on tv and then he's like wouldn't it be great to sell out this like gig in new york city and then fuck you know he's all the way up but he'll never ever be happy never that that, that is the never fulfill and then he'll say why can't i be playing to heaven and the gods you know because hey yeah it's Oh, it's, it really is a sort of fruitless endeavor in a weird way because you can't you'll never be content and at some point there will be a bell curve of success like where you will peak right and then you're you're downhill you're going back down to smaller theaters and smaller clubs and smaller shit open mic nights and like this is one of not to get too dark now but this is one of the reasons i'm sort of i'm actually quite grateful that i just like we just had kids and then that pretty much put the kibosh on stand-up for me because we were removed from london at that point and it was impossible to get out and gig but like sometimes i think now you know if i hadn't met lucy and we hadn't had kids i would probably not not to sound like patting on the back but i probably would have been like semi-pro to pro at this point and i would be touring around and like maybe staying in travel lodges <laughs> and like, i'm sure that's a <laughs> Maybe even in a YMCA kind of situation. Yeah, but like, you know, like we've all, we've both gigged with people, I'm sure, like where, you know, they used to be this name or that name and now they just headline open mic nights and stay in travel lodges. And I'm sure that's a really great romantic existence to just be, you know, in a travel lodge writing your shit and then a gig every night and, you know, stay for a beer after and talk to the cop. Like, I'm sure that's great for some people, but I know for me, 
I would kill myself. I'd be, <laughs> I'd be so miserable and lonely and like, you know. Oh God! And and you say I don't want to pat myself on the pat yourself on the back, man. You've got two kids. One is what four? The other one's just baby born. That is that is the ultimate. Oh I'll, the yeah, ultimate I'll pat myself on the back. I'll pat so. myself on the back for the kids. I mean, they're cute as hell. They're pretty yeah. good kids. I just mean like I don't want to. I don't want to say that I definitely would have been. A professional comic oh, no, by this you, point, were, but... you were super good i have to say you were very good so in my point of view you would be at least no you would selling be... out stadiums come on i, I think so but the never ego. enough the ego's you kicking know, in never enough. yeah never enough you would be going like oh my god why can't i do australia and then the world sell out and the... and then you would go more and more and more and more because that's that's our style for sure yeah there's is, is it weird that like, if I'm really honest about it, the trajectory for me, I really subscribe to this sort of, like, punk rock, uh, live fast, die young, like, stuff. Like, I could totally see myself having, like, if that had been my life, like, becoming sort of vaguely successful and, and or maybe a bit of a cult comic, but then dying of a drug overdose in a hotel room. <laughs> well, that would be so romantic. I mean, <laughs> anybody would envy you that, because that, that would think? be the ultimate. The ultimate yeah he did so well and then you know what happened well he was doing so well it wasn't enough so he killed himself i mean this yeah. is really dark. he wanted to gig for god so he I know. killed himself so, you go. yeah he might be doing it for the devil but hey the important thing is that he will be doing greater gigs yeah oh, for sure yeah so okay so you you've you know you've gone from engineering into stand-up and then stand up back to engineering, I guess, throughout the pandemic, because there's no stand up. Uh, yeah, at the moment. a little bit. Yeah, I haven't. I've done some Zoom gigs. Oh man. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love, I love the fact that there's there's always this subtext of like, oh god, Zoom to gig. No, like, is it good? It. Is it all right? Or is it like, is it as bad as I think it probably? Definitely no, it's is. not. It depends. It depends very much on the MC and on the attitude of people. Right now, and I've had both. I've had the the attitude of people that you that are like this. Yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while, one will go like. But do they do they check? Are they looking at their phones off screen? Yeah, like... no, or they're off. But the worst ones are the ones that. Yeah. But I've also done gigs where it is promoted that the people be on, on and show their faces and, yeah. and they've been very good. So, and also that's the only way you could continue with your, with, with your writing and yeah. checking things out. And so I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Uh, but think, yeah, it's been tough. I think I would rather crack jokes on an actual zoom call, like with my team and then just like make notes of like <laughs> what works. Like, I think that would be like, because I'd know that they'd all be listening. Yeah, because they'd have to. Yeah. It's that Adrian. Yeah, is he the boss? Yeah, you, and you better laugh because all this just. Yeah. <laughs> or just like really lean on the fact that I'm the tech lead. Otherwise, he'll give you a, a really bad workload. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. It's, you were very funny when I saw you. So. It's, like, it's like that episode of Friends where like Chandler has to laugh at his boss's jokes. Like, do you remember that? <laughs> Like I'm going to be that guy, but I'm really going to rely on the sycophantic nature of my of my team. Just like crack these. Actually, do you know what? I couldn't because the sort of stuff I used to come out with on stage is not the sort of stuff I can really get away with on a, on a Zoom call. 
be like, wow, this joke works. They'd be like, great, you're fired. <laughs> it was so good <laughs> that we're taking it to human resources. Yeah. And I'll be like, they will look at it yeah. closely. And we have the video, so there's no denying it. Yeah. And, and HR people who are so nice, not. No. They'll be going like, okay. Right. We always had doubts on that, Adrian. Now they are confirmed. What's your what's your experience with, with HR people? Because I know like you mentioned before that you're doing your next like stand up show that you're I think I guess you're writing at the moment is about redundancy, right? Yes. So, it's about my five redundancies, how to survive them, how to avoid them, because I I should have avoided some and then how to get the most out of the money out of them if you can. I didn't, but I know the so you know what is my relationship with HR? Mm. Uh, okay, my idea of HR people, there are some nice ones, but usually HR people go into HR because they are not pretty enough to go to marketing. Oh, wow. Sorry, sorry, lady. <laughs> U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi. You're ugly. Oh, shit. The ones Shots that, the fired. Ones that treated me badly. Right. Two, they're not smart enough to go into tech stuff. or, And they are not happy and friendly enough to go into sales, which is the ultimate right. way of anybody that can't get a job. I was in sales too. So yeah, the, the I mean, I, I'll just give you one example, very true. They had announced cutbacks and the HR lady, American, she comes up to me and says, Sonia, I'm sorry, you're on the list. You're on the list, Sonia, I'm sorry. So I'm going like, oh, geez. A week later, she comes back, Sonia, we made a mistake. You're not on the list. You're not on the list. It was a glitch. Are you kidding? I was fired a month later anyway. Right. So <laughs> what can I say? It was the dress rehearsal redundancy. <laughs> you know, they had found a new way of making me feel worthless. No, I do not like HR and they know it. Yeah. Fucking hell. But is, is that it enough? Yeah. I mean, have, have, that's, HR people are, are, are going like, I'm not watching this anymore. That's a <laughs> shocking way to treat people though to to suggest that you are on a list for consideration for redundancy and then and then to say oh do you know what we made a mistake and then to have the gall like at that point that's the juncture right there where they should have said oh shit do you know what we can't make a redundant because we fucked this up like we we went up to her before and we told her that we we're about to <laughs> and that was a mistake if we go up to her now and we say we're going to make redundant the first thing out of her mouth is going to be like well, are you really making me redundant or is this well, just... That was exactly what I said. I told my boss, listen, what is happening here? This is crazy. And then ultimately in that job, they wanted, you know, these exit interviews? Adrian? Yeah, yeah. I mean, excuse me? Why do you want to, you fire me? What, you know, we want to do an exit interview with you. Why are you leaving the company? Well, you just fired me. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. Can I stay? No. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, great chat. <laughs> so yeah that's Fuck. hr i've had some i've had some dealings with hr i've worked within hr though um no way i cannot find i cannot see you in hr you must have been like out of your league i was uh i was not attractive enough to work in marketing and uh not friendly enough for sales and no i worked in um i worked in recruitment in-house and that sort of sat within hr so um but it's not quite hr no no right? i wasn't doing 
Um, I, I wasn't doing any of that sort of stuff. Actually, I tell you, t- tell a lie. I did. I fired a couple of contractors once, um, oh, but it man. wasn't like me. F- it, it wasn't my decision. It was like their manager saying, can you off board this guy? That was the way they used to phrase it. That, so it didn't sound too, <laughs> too brutal. Can you just, off-board? yeah, off board or like, r- can you roll him off? That was the other one. <laughs> Like, but it's, it doesn't that sound hot? It's like rolling him off a fucking boat. Can you just roll him off? Walk the plank. Yeah. Walk him the plank. If he doesn't want to just push him. But listen, did they do that because they they were too cowardly to, because that, shouldn't the boss have said it? You know, have guts to tell the guy, well, don't send. I think to be fair no. to him, he, like, from memory, I mean, this is going back quite a few years now, but from memory, he said to me, that he had had words with this guy two or three times and things hadn't improved. So now this was the end of the rope for him. Uh, but, um, but yeah, so I, I worked in, in recruitment for a bit and then I moved into a professional services company, which I won't name, but, um, I worked there for eight months and it was the worst fucking job ever. It was like, I sat within HR, uh, in still in recruitment, but it was like it was the archetypal sort of diversity corporation and rainbow flags everywhere and you know like all of the marketing pamphlets would be like you know pictures of a chinese guy next to a black guy next to a white guy all laughing together and stuff which is great right let's all i'm all for diversity and equality of opportunity awesome uh the 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 issue that i had with it was once you sort of scratch beneath the surface and you get into this company it was nothing like it was so white and you know what like we we live in the uk and i you know it's a very white country fine but it was the attitude that bothered me it was like you know it was all of this sort of diversity pamphlet rainbow flag stuff outside externally but internally everything was super white middle class male uh and and even that didn't bother me too much it was it was when I sat down in this meeting and this associate director, so quite a senior guy, was like, I need 20 new graduates. And I was like, OK, cool. And he goes, yeah, we're like we're low on graduate numbers. We need to run a graduate recruitment project where you bring in, bring me in like 20 or 22 new ones. And I said, OK, cool. So anyway, we're going through the itinerary and he's telling me, you know, what universities and what grades two one or first or like all, all of this sort of stuff. And then it gets to the end of the chat and he says oh and uh i i don't want any 30 year old graduates right and i i was like okay why why not and he goes oh i just think it says something about somebody that you know they couldn't get their shit together before they were like 29 and i was like like what the fuck was i supposed to say like i just sort of went oh all right and um then i said to my boss i was like he says he doesn't want any 30 year old graduates and she was like, if that's what he wants. And I was like, great. So this senior guy is is suggest- like just bleeding ageism and prejudice. And I'm flagging it to my boss. And she's like, well, you know, what are, what are you going to do? <laughs> and meanwhile... Instead of saying, hey, no, there must be some mistake. I mean, that's not correct. Yeah. She, she's going like, oh, yeah, well, that's what he wants. So it's written statement. It was gross. So do you think, do you think that... Because I've always thought that these companies that have all these very, very dangerous, I am all for diversity, I'm Spanish myself. But every time I see these companies that are pushing that so much, Mm. there is a question mark. Because if you really are 
diversity inclusive you don't even need anything because yeah. you are that company I, so when you see all these brochures you're thinking well, i'm not sure you know it's like those people that say oh you know i i, I love him i love it well if you're saying you love him so much i'm not sure <laughs> yeah Just, i mean it's i guess you could make a case that by being so outwardly pro-diversity that you are being more welcoming and and inclusive to people like if i was better a than, young better than not having it yeah like if i was a young black woman would i feel more comfortable applying for a job at consultancy x or consultancy y if consultancy x like there's no trace of any like people of color but you know the alternative is actually looking you know like people like me you know yeah. i think that i think there could be they yes. you could make a case for it like that but yeah i, I don't know i, I, I it's better than nothing but i always think if they're pushing it too much because you know one of the companies i worked they had this diversity and inclusion meetings every like every i'm going like well if you need them so much these meetings it means that on the day-to-day -day, you're not giving the messages that yeah yeah this is what we want like what your boss said oh well yeah that's it you know yeah um, i mean it didn't help it's didn't help the fact that if I if I raised an issue there, I don't imagine it would be taken too seriously because I was so ferociously shit at that job. I was so bad. <laughs> totally understand. Yeah. So it's like right. Ooh, they would be going like me. Who said that, Sonia? Who? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, wait, hang on. Aid has a concern about. So why don't you tell Aid to do his fucking job and then worry about <laughs> worry about diversity next week. <laughs> Once he's hit target. He's not a, a performance improvement plan, this woman. Just tell him to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a performance. That was where I was on a pip. Uh, it was so bad, so awkward. And uh, so what happened? They, they announced it as pips. You know, yeah, pips. right. So you, you know that. Almost, almost sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know that I used to do a bit uh stand up wise about this right so for the benefit for, for the benefit of anyone uh listening or watching that uh, doesn't know what a pip is right so a performance improvement plan is something that hr put you on uh when you're not up to scratch and i used to joke that it's really funny how the businesses will sort of present this to you as though they're you know they're working with you it's a it's an improvement plan these are some areas that we want to see improvement in your service of but actually performance improvement plans only came about once they made it illegally to just immediately fire you and kick you out the door so it's like as soon as they give you a pip as soon as they say you're on a pip then it's your fucking numbers up you're you are fucked um and i used to say like you know it's like this humiliating weekly grueling meeting with your manager where they go through line by line the things that you're not up to, <laughs> up to scratch and i used to say like it's like your wife sitting you down and saying i already know the name of the guy that i want to fuck next <laughs> but but rather than just jump to let's just every week let's sit down and talk about the ways that you fucking suck like <laughs> that's what it's like it's like daily or like twice weekly um and and yeah so that was that was there and i was objectively bad i was so bad at that job um and so yeah if i had raised anything any sort of concerns i'm sure they would have said yeah he's on a pit thing we just think you're focusing <laughs> we're on we're gonna get rid of him after that because yeah. if you 
<laughs> it's good. It's good that you're trying to problem solve aid. It is. Yeah. But maybe focus on this problem over here, which is your fucking inherent retarded ability to place any candidates in this fucking business. Sit down, get on the phone. <laughs> like, yeah. Your objectives are here and you are there. Yeah. It's no. I mean, you don't even have one star on that show. Not even, you know, you have a minus five stars on your show. Yeah. That would be the equivalent of the pip. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I did not. I couldn't believe that that was no longer my job when I left there. I was so happy. I didn't get re made redundant. I should have done. I really think they should have just said, get out. Well, I always think that what you say about the pip, what would you rather have? A shot on the head or little by little, you know, a little bit of a stab here, a little bit of a stab. No, just fire me. You know, that one time shot on the head versus, uh, uh, and maybe you can make it, but if you, uh, yeah, uh, they really want to get rid of you. Otherwise, they wouldn't. I've had, I've had conversations about this with with various people over the years, and uh, you know, because I'm incredibly bitter and I've really held a grudge. But so bitter, uh, as you have heard. But but it's like, like you must have had to let people go, or you've been keen to let people go, right, in your career. And do you think it's better to just shake hands? and say, look, we don't think this is working out, but we're going to pay you your notice out, or, or maybe even a little bit more of their notice out of goodwill, and then, you know, shake hands and let them go about their business? Or do you think it's better to put them on one of these pips, gruelling, embarrassing? Uh, like, w what do you think is better? I think the shot on the head, you know, you're yeah. going to die. You might as well just get it over and done with because as soon as you're put in that situation there's a buzz you know that redundancy buzz mm. that people that used to go out with you sort of begin to call uh, i'm not gonna go out for lunch and you're going like what yeah you know and then <laughs> what? I hadn't, in case I mean, they catch i hadn't even heard i was in the pit but somebody had already heard and wasn't going and then i heard that i and it is, I mean, yeah. that is so crushing. It is so crushing. Are they like scared that they're going to catch redundancy off you? Of course, because yeah. there is a redundancy cold and you catch it. You can catch it. Sure. I'm sure of it. Very In contagious. Fact, I was, I've been on the other side and I wouldn't go out with anybody. Lunch or any, not even coffee with somebody I knew was on the redundancy list. Forget it. That's you, hon. <laughs> <laughs> You're on your own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's. I, I sort of feel... I've got mixed feelings about it. You're a better guy than I am, I'm sure. Oh, I don't know about that. No? Okay. Well. No. Uh, I mean, I've got a very playful, upbeat exterior, but, um, you know, inside I'm cold-hearted okay. and bitter. And Sorry, uh, interrupted. What were you going to no, say? No, I, I was going to say, um, I, I feel like personally, if I was going to let somebody go now, or if I was asked to get rid of someone or whatever, then um, I think I would just like i'd go for the shake hands and like pay out a little bit more of their than their notice period right because if you put someone on a pip actually what you're doing is is bleeding out negativity into your team and it's a fucking cancer it's like once one person in your team has got some kind of chip on their shoulder and negativity they go for lunch they meet around the water cooler they're talking shit about this but like and it does it really does spread and then you've got two people or three people and they're all bitching about you know what the manager said or the project manager or they're or or they're you know speaking down about whatever project you're working on like this is never going to fucking work you know 
John over here says it's not going to work. And he's like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's so much better to just, I think, to just shake hands. I do too. Um, and besides, people will say, well, what if I'm next? Yeah. That's, is it going to stop? Is he, was he really that bad? Okay. And maybe if he, he or she was really bad, they'll say, okay, she would. But there's always that doubt. They start with somebody and then maybe I'm next. So the, as you say, the whole team yeah. becomes less productive. Just, and, and it's not even, I don't even think it's conscious. It's happened to me mm. when there's redundancies. You think, well, what am I going to do? Maybe I'm next and six months I'll be out. Should I really kill myself? Yeah. No. no. <laughs> And that's part of my show. Don't kill yourself once <laughs> there's redundancies. Yeah. Uh, that's funny because, like, normally a lot of, like, fringe shows are, you know, they're quite sort of, like, comedy comes from a dark place, right? So it's normally some depressed comic book fan with, you know, skinny little male feminist guy talking about how depressed and anxious he feels. And, you know, it's quite, it yeah. can be quite depressing. But here's your show. You're like, don't kill yourself. Yeah, jazz hands. Uh, and I don't wear skinny jeans. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, that's that's all uh, interesting. Oh, actually, what, one last thing shared, I was going to say. Like, yeah, I'm glad we shared pips together. Yeah, <laughs> it was good to uh, good to meet someone else that's been through that journey. The the other the last thing I was going to say was I heard a I heard a fucking horror story one place I worked where they said, "Oh, have you worked with this program manager yet?" And I was like, "No." And they said, uh, "Oh, he fires people when he's when he's sick of their shit." And I was like, "I was like, oh, okay, well, it's pr pretty normal." And they were like, "Yeah, but he doesn't go through like normal channels. Like he doesn't sort of, you know, there's no pips, there's no verbal warning, there's no anything. Like he just decides that your time is up and you got to get your shit and get out." Like, and I was like, "Well, he can't do that because that's you know, there's legislation in place. You have to give people warnings and so on." And he goes, "No, he's got uh, a very." very particular way that he he does this like he brings them in to a little cubicle room no way and then he yeah. says and i swear to god this is what i was told i don't know i mean this this nameless faceless person who i definitely won't name i don't want to get myself in bother but I'm, this is second hand or third hand but apparently what he was doing was he would take them into a, a room and then he would say i would like you to resign now uh and if you tell anyone that we've had this conversation, I will deny it. Um, but you can either take two months notice period, like out now. And I think the notice period there was one month. So it's like double the... It's a little yeah. bit more. So you can take the two months notice period now. We'll shake hands and you leave and then you get on with your life and we're both happy. Uh, or you can stay and I will make your life hell for the next three months like, while we go through the gruelling process of pips and like all. So it was he was basically just really like verbalising actually the realistic two options that oh, there yeah. are. But it's so fucking brutal and like psychopathic. It's like if you tell <laughs> anyone, I will deny that I've said like, what? Who the fuck says that? That is cruel and uh... And also, he could have just said, listen, the first part without saying that I will make your life miserable. Yeah. He could have just said, listen, you're going to get what you were saying. You were going to get a little bit more or we can go through this process, which isn't comfortable for you or me. In that tone of voice, yeah. and you're going to take the more money by. Right. Not yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it's like, not just, well, if not, I'm going to take the mafia on your car. And 
I know where you live, you know. Not but, necessary, folks. Not ne- We will go. Yeah. We will go. But it's like it's one of those people where their their psychology is like, I mean, you know, you and I know talking about it, that there's a way to communicate things to people and that, that you don't make them feel a embarrassed or ashamed or dumb or like a failure so you communicate it to them in a way that lets them feel like this is a mutual decision and actually it's not so bad because i get double the amount of but you know so you're selling it to them in a way but to 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 i mean i assume that this guy being a program manager was quite intelligent so to get to that level and to not understand that there's a way to communicate that shit and to instead revert to this cruel like brutal thing suggests that he actually enjoys like talking about that yeah corporate world is full of them but um, let me just tell you my horror story go for it when i worked in finance because i can't say which bank yeah there was this rumor that people had couldn't be part of the bank until they had been made to cry on their first annual review oh i do that in my job yeah, with, yeah. That was your job too. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Carry on. Yeah. No, no, I, well, let me just say that of course I cried, not because I knew about this, I knew this after. And I thought, what kind of people work here that that's, yeah. the, you know, that to, to get the team in order, you have to make them cry. Yeah. Now I'm a crybaby anyway, so it didn't take a lot, you know, it didn't take a lot. But I know these guys, you know, these rough guys that have never cried in their lives. I mean, th- that so that's wow just, that sounds like a, is that a front office trading area uh, yeah it's sort of yeah traders and stuff. <laughs> i went i went ask. i have a contract i can't talk about no 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 i'm not i would never ask you to like name it was probably the cruelest atmosphere i was so happy to leave i was yeah yeah that's the worst job i've had i mean Definitely. so front like front office again like anyone that's listening that doesn't know terminology and stuff front office is where the traders uh, work and where the support staff like tech and engineering support them and it can be infamously a bit of a bear pit right like lots of bad language lots of bullying lots of like i i would not survive a fucking day because although i'm not sure i would class myself as a crybaby but i am very sensitive and <laughs> Like if some if somebody was like, no, you've done it wrong, you fucking idiot. Like if somebody was like that, I'd be like, oh my god, I'm so oh, I'm gonna kill myself. Like, you know, like if somebody. Yeah. I'm going to the ladies. Like I I went to a a a Christmas drinks party for uh, a middle office role, not even front office, right? I was working in middle office settlements for a a company and there was a Christmas drinks party and there was a slightly awkward atmosphere and I went and locked myself in the fucking cubicle because I couldn't handle it. And I stayed there for 15 minutes waiting for like whatever shit cloud this was to like blow over. Was it going to happen? How is that person going to survive a day in front office? Never. Never. No. Okay, so let's let's tap into like engineering a little bit so you've worked in engineering uh for what like 10 15 years or something or yeah um started with us i was very lucky i started in silicon valley with the whole startup thing yeah and that's the lucky part because it was before now now they say that it's changed a bit but the unlucky part i mean i could have worked for google Mm. i could work for ebay I chose Micromuse. Have you heard of Micromuse? Never, but I'm sure they're just as big as... It crashed. (laughs) (laughs) 
Ah, oh, shit. But it was it was an amazing atmosphere. There was 24 people in that company when I was interviewing. 20 people. Kid you not, Adrian. 20 people interviewed me. Really? And I was, I was so annoyed. I asked the boss, listen, why are these people interviewing me? Yeah. And I also had a better job, by the way, offer. And the boss goes, because we are misfits that must fit together. Oh, my God. I joined that day. Misfits that must fit together. That but was did he, so did, It was fantastic. It was just one of the best experiences of my life. Yeah. It was like all weird people, strange. One was a ballerina. The other one had a knife collection. It was just, I joined that day. And it was the best. Yeah. Uh, the best work I have had. The best office work. That's the sort of thing only an American startup manager or hiring guy could say and it would would work because if you got if i went for an interview at a british startup and the guy and i said well like how come 10 people have interviewed me today and he was like because we're misfits that must fit together i would be like (laughs) and i was like yay i'd be like you're fired i'm out (laughs) why i thought it was like the best answer yeah oh it is like in that context like in an american you know, Silicon Valley startup, I would, it, it's forgivable. It would probably work. Yeah, no, here it would be like, you know, what yeah. kind of things do they get up to? But uh, it was like, but yeah, it was, it was great. And the other thing I learned in, which also relates to comedy, they taught us to fail fast, fail fully and fail often. Mm. Because that's the only way you're going to be good. And that's kind of jokes too. We have to fail yeah. fast, fail often and fail fully yeah and that just stuck in my head i love that because that's the way jokes work yeah it's funny isn't it like i'm like my uh tech versus comedy career is in the reverse of yours i guess but um uh like i really felt like i just sort of drifted along right uh for for a long time in like you know recruitment and like in-house roles and uh and then i sort of fell into a project thing and um, and then it was only when I tried stand up that over the space of the f- four and a half or five years that I was doing it, that uh, I I got this sort of kick out of like learning, like learning to learn it. Like, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. like kind of like trying something, failing, trying it again, failing again, tweaking it slightly. Oh, shit, it worked a little bit better. I wonder if it worked better. Like, and then over the space of time, like building this skill set up and the confidence that comes with it. And without sounding like too much of a pretentious prick, it was that sort of confidence and that process that then when somebody said, how would you fancy trying to learn to code? I was like, all right. Like, even like I'd never done it before, but I just, I just fucking knew that if I had, if I taught myself to do stand up, which was incredibly difficult, as you know, um, then I could teach myself to do this, like probably. Totally. Um, so yeah, it's. Um, it, and I think that comes to the ultimate similarities, because, and that's the last one I had thought of. Engineers, we work with formulas, mm. and. Stand-up works with formulas. You know, we've got the formula of a joke, the pun, the pullback and reveal. And so all you have to do is learn the formulas. Mm. And then, as you say, get into that, oh, my God, this this is so fun yeah. to make this joke 
better or to just say leave it alone or tag it and that's i think what you were describing was a wonderful childlike experience of i'm having fun learning yeah and that's that's what we want in life having fun learning for sure so, yeah so like when when you were over in silicon valley like at what point did you go right silicon valley seems really cool and techy and fun and i really feel like this is this is great this is the epicenter of of everything at the moment i'm gonna leave that and then come to britain well no the it, it, the company crashed so it was like i need another job i went back to spain all right where i'm from madrid and yeah it wasn't like i would have stayed in, in micro news uh, and it was just it was just the weird it was the that movie that you see that the shares were like i don't know 360 and people were like in our we were working out which villa in mallorca we were gonna buy yeah and then the shares go to oh, shit. zero zero one yeah Fuck. just in two days agent in two days what it's went just wrong a, like what happened well the in it was the crash of, of many many startups really and so it was just that's the way it happens with money yeah so it wasn't a choice it was more of a so it wasn't like Bye. A, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but, but even with that i say that it was one of the best jobs i've had because the whole experience was just so amazing yeah misfits that must fit together yeah even in Brit, even here even though in britain it sounds a bit <laughs> yeah well i don't know i i'd bag it up as one of the you know cultural differences and and like a difference probably between american startup culture and, and british startup culture yeah. and like th this is a, a source of amusement for me because when i when i see movies or tv shows that depict silicon valley startups it's always you know it, it's either some guys like bungalow house and they're all working together on their shiny macbooks and you know it's quite glamorous and uh oh, well, you know it's group of... not really glamorous. there's a lot of work and yeah and, I... and a lot of stress but it's that i well at least when i was there it was that sensation that you described like this is this is fun we're going somewhere and yeah i do i i totally get that i mean like when i I worked for a startup for uh, a year before my current job and uh, I really, I couldn't believe it was my job. It was so much fun. It was like, I'd go into the was office. It here? Was it here in Britain? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was in London. Um, what happened? Uh, I, I left and then joined my current job. But it's oh. like they, when I was working there, the, uh, the CTO resigned and the head of marketing resigned in the space of two weeks. Uh, and I think from memory, slightly rusty now, but I think from memory, um, there was some discussion about Series A funding versus the bells and whistles that they wanted on the application. And uh, it was sort of reaching a crunch point. And right at that moment, I was tapped up for, for a different role that was paying more. And uh, yeah, it was time to go. Yeah. So it just felt like this is, you know, like I, I got a mortgage. And at that point, you know, girlfriend child i've really got to be sensible about this stuff i can't be uh standing on shaky ground thinking well i hope this works out <laughs> no because you know? it won't I just, yeah. it's like crap. Uh, you know everybody talks about how volatile startups can be uh and i'm you know i'm open to that and i accept it but i'm also like you know i if it starts looking shaky <laughs> i'm <go>. out 
Um, okay. So yeah, but I uh, just unless, unless it's your startup, and then well, what can you do? But if it's not, yeah, trust me, most of them don't make it. No, supposedly not. But um, but yeah, going back to like the sort of childlike, you know, every day I would go in there and I would build like parts of this application and see them come to life, you know, be given like the wireframes and then build it around those and then interact with it. I'd be like, it works. And uh, I'd be like, this is like, it really was, it, that, that was probably my favorite time of learning development because when I was at Sky before it was, you know, I always felt like I was chasing my, t like trying to learn enough to add value. And I hadn't quite got there yet. Whereas at the, at the startup, it was like all hands on deck. There's no one to ask questions to if you're stuck. It's like, I have to fix this myself. Fuck. Um, so yeah, it was really like, it's a lot of, lot of fun, quite a boiler room atmosphere, but nothing like what I see on TV of like American startups and stuff. No, nothing. And I'm with you. Nothing. Yeah. But it is, but you do get that feeling of going out into the break, you know, that feeling of, I always say that feeling of summer holidays and school and you go, hey! yeah. and, so, and some, some things in your adult life give you that. Hey! Yeah. And, and, that, and I can hear that startup was giving you that a little bit. Stand up sometimes gives you that. Sometimes doesn't, but uh, sometimes you're going to the dungeon, but sometimes it does give you that. Yeah. Do you know what, though? Like, I, even even a st working in a startup on a good day is it, it is here in terms of joy and, you know, childlike wonder. And then a mediocre stand up gig for me is like up here. Like, I fucking love it no matter what. Like, if, if I'm trying five minutes of new material, which is basically all the time when I'm gigging, um and there's just like one tiny bit that sort of ish kind of work like i still fucking love it like i love being there chatting to the promoter and seeing whoever like the new like rough raw and ready act is that i've not seen before and uh yeah like i i just i i can't <clears throat> in some ways i'm like i don't think i'll ever get over like l losing stand up to some extent but i all like it's always in my head that i will get back to it at some point um well you have to because if you have that feeling of Yay! yeah it's when you, there will be a moment where you have the time and the because that's so precious in an adult life we don't get that very much no yeah it's it's i feel very fortunate that it's sort of it landed in not it didn't just land in my lap you know i sought it out but i feel lucky to have found it um because I know there's a lot of people out there that just, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I'd like to give pottery a try, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like there's, there's just no hobbies. And yeah, I know. We're very lucky to have found that and to have that spirit of let's try this and maybe it will work. And maybe. And also, I always think that one of the reasons I went into stand up was precisely because I've gone through so many interviews and you went into stand up. I remember the first ones. You know, I went with my little set expecting people to say, well, let me look at this before. No, no, well, you're not going to, you don't, doesn't matter if I, you know, obviously I was bad, but nobody interviews you to go into that stage. You just no, don't. yeah. Yeah, you just got to get up there and suck for a bit. Exactly. That's up to you. No, no interview process here. You just go. Yeah. There's no, there's no easy way to like, I mean, you can read books about it, can't you? You can like, I somebody bought me a book for my birthday 
like how to do stand-up or the art of stand-up or something but i well, unless you... i think you can read a book and then do it well it will give you some guidance <laughs> yeah it might you know what what you were talking about earlier about sort of uh like joke formats I can't remember how yeah. you articulated it. Yes. It's more the technical part of the joke. Yeah, like you can formula. you can read books about that sort of stuff. I'm sure, um, but I don't think it's anyone can. It's like telling a, a ballerina, "Listen, read that book and then hit the stage." Well, no, there's going to be a process. Yeah, I mean, like this, the the fundamentals of it really for me are that you can't read you can't academically uh, prepare for the nerves like the nerve factor now if you don't get nervous before you go on to a stand-up set like in your first say 50 or 100 gigs let's say i think there's something wrong with you um yeah or you're or you're on drugs serious yeah drug habit, so. <laughs> because it is it's a completely unnatural situation you are the focus of attention in theory of everyone in the room and you should feel nervous that you're going to look like a tit of course uh and and you don't have the skill set yet to sort of you know hone all of the shit that you you're going to say so it's kind of you know you should feel nervous and and there's no real way to well, i don't think there's any real way to control that or to manage it until you are you know until you're really well versed in what it means to get up there three times a week or five times a week um so yeah i don't yeah because you can't you can't create that unless you were taking some kind of weird drug you couldn't create that adrenaline that rushes to you when you're when you're just about to it, yeah it's impossible it's a physical thing so unless you're doing some kind of yeah rush, or like the it, feeling of just needing a poo before you go on stage i know <laughs> <This> is... <laughs> for ages i thought that was just me i was like why do i always need a shit before i gig this is really i should have a poo earlier in the day because obviously my timing my body clock is <laughs> to do with it yeah did i did i eat all bran just no yeah. i didn't eat all bran <laughs> i think it was zach split that was like no that's like fight or flight that's like your body you know is huge fear going through your body at the moment i was like oh right okay so everyone feels like this why why does everyone carry on doing it because it's not a comfortable feeling <laughs> um yeah so um yeah just we'll quickly go back onto engineering for a sec uh because i'd be interested oh, to to hear your thoughts on what the future of that's going to look like because you know you've been in in the game for uh, i think we said 15 years or so um you know you've worked in silicon valley uh you've worked in london um what where do you think engineering is headed over the next like let's say 10 to 15 years well i think it's heading towards everybody being a little bit of an engineer, just like we all became travel experts mm. over the last 10 years. Cause we can all before, remember our parents would like call the people and they'd now we're all travel, you know, you just Google, get your own stuff. And that I think more tools will come so that we are our own engineers of whatever we want to do, whatever apps, Mm. That's I'm definitely, definitely convinced of that. And it's happening already. We're already doing our own websites. We're doing our own loads of things that before we would have needed a tech techie person. Um, I also think that artificial intelligence and all these algorithms will 
be the future, which is great because they learn from their mistakes <laughs> versus so many politicians yeah. <laughs> that do not learn from this. So to be, I've always said, I would have loved the Brexit deal to be negotiated by robots mm. because they don't have an ego. You know, they're not going to say, oh, I'm not going to I'm not going to give you this because if not, I'll look bad in my country. Oh, well, yes. No, robots will just, you know, take the best of both worlds. And that's that's yeah. my uh, on the on the scary part. I think there will be with this social distance, we might get too attached to artificial intelligence and robots mm. and they'll be telling us what to do and we'll think that it's a good thing because they know the answer <laughs> they'll be saying like you've got to get up in the morning you got to go to jam so they'll be bossy that's that's my fear bossy robots that we that control take us into our house and order us to do <laughs> shit they know they know better and and actually no we know better we know how to be lazy eat that cupcake eat that cookie yeah. drink that gin and tonic uh, so that's the worst and the best case scenarios. Yeah, like a sort of iRobot, like that uh, iRobot by Isaac Asimov, like that sort yeah, of uh, scenario. Because they know what you need, and they will know, but they will know the best that you need. But they won't make, they won't let you be lazy or overindulge and. I guess that. there'd be like a setting, wouldn't there, on them where where like you ultimately. <laughs> Ultimately, you'll have free will, <laughs> but like no, like you, you'll be able to say I, I ultimately overrule you if I say this safe word, <laughs> you know, like something like That's that. Great. I don't know why. You've just, solved, you've just solved the issue, Adrian, for us. I can tell you're a, you're a real good techno IT person. Yeah, I'll say you could have the lazy setting. The really strict setting. Yeah. You know, well, I'm just thinking. I'm thinking of like scenarios where, like, so the robot would say, like, you have to get up. And then you would say, no, fuck off. I'm, I'm having a lie in. And then the <laughs> robot would be like, no, because you always do this. And actually, it's really important that you run for 20 minutes on hamster wheel over there. So he, he would like drag you out of your bed. And in some ways, that's a good thing, right? Because you, even though it would annoy you, you would be like, thanks for getting me up this morning. This is important that I have my exercise. But on the flip side, when I'm in the mood for a McDonald's breakfast, Sonia, I don't want no fucking iRobot guy telling me to put down the sausage McMuffin. I just want my dirty McDonald's breakfast. Uh, well, he'll be there saying, Adrian, last time you thanked me for... And that will be yeah. the worst, you know, classical mother. Yeah. Uh, thank me for saying no to that McMuffin. You'd have to this, be so like... <laughs> you'd have to be so like defined with the the program and like the variables that you give it like the if statements that you give it you'd have to be like right listen it's really important if i if you see me any morning other than friday eating a mcdonald's breakfast punch me in the face like and and the, the robot would just be like okay and you'd you'd be like okay cool right so that's my diet sorted because but then what if you just have a really bad suicidal exactly. tuesday you know your girlfriend leaves you she took your credit card like and ran it all up and you you it finds out that you she's been fucking your best friend and like you know a terrible tuesday and you're hung over and everything like you might just want them and then to top it all off then you get punched in the foot that's a bad week that is a that's a bad week that's when you need to make your own decisions. Yes. But we weren't talking about the worst case scenario. So. No, yeah. Best case scenario, we'll 
To be fair, we'll see. robots for peace. Robots for peace. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, we'll leave it there. That's a good. That's a good moment to leave it on. Robots for peace. It's a moment. Yeah. And uh, and being punched in the face over a McDonald's breakfast. Uh, <laughs> Eat that McMuffin tomorrow. I had one this morning. That's why it's <laughs> it's locked in my head. I can't have one two days in a row. That would be gross, wouldn't it? Maybe I could. No, I would not. Well, the robot would tell you would, but it would not. Yeah. So don't worry. I've had the AstraZeneca vaccine, so I mean, I don't need help clogging my veins up. Probably, <laughs> I don't know, but probably best not to tempt fate. Uh, so anyway, right. Well, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me tonight, Sonia. Hey, Adrian, you've been a star. Thank you for inviting me. I've had a great time. Yeah. I'll see you next time. See you soon. Ciao for now. Bye. Bye.